podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, that escalated quickly, didn't it? Yes. Hello, it is Steve Bloomers washing the Derby County podcast where Ram's opinion, nostalgia and weak wordplay are our bread and butter. I'm your host, Chris Parsons. And in a week where it seems that time waits for no man in League One, uh, Derby find themselves welcoming their 11th new manager in nine years. Uh, No sooner had the Rossini reign had a chance to get going than our interim boss was demoted as Rotherham United's Paul Warren was installed at Pride Park, a man with League One promotions and years of experience to his name. Uh, Could this be our most sensible managerial appointment for a number of years? Joining me to assess the calibre of the new gaffer are Richard Kutcher. How you doing, mate? Hi, Chris. Yeah, long time no see. Yeah, (laughs) been several days at least. And... Back by popular demand for the 22-23 season is Ollie Wright from the Derby County blog. Uh, thanks for returning again, mate. How have you been enjoying League One so far? Well, it's still Derby, isn't it? It's, it's, I'm still enjoying it. It's still Derby. Um, it still means the world to be able to go. Um, I think when you consider where we were, you know, not so long ago, just being able to wander up to the ground and go in and see everyone and, and watch the South Stand bouncing and all that. It just feels like a bit of a privilege. And yeah, I mean, obviously, it is a big adjustment. It's it's not the same. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm not old enough. And I, guys, you, you aren't. You're, I'm probably older than you lot. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we don't really remember what it was like in the, the sort of 80s. So this is new to us, new terrain. Um, it is a bit embarrassing um, to be here. We shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be playing Papa John's. You know, we shouldn't be playing Manchester City under twenty ones in a competitive fixture. That that really grinds my gears. It's not ideal. <laughs> but on the positive side, no more TV games or not very many. Anyway, I think we might have one coming up, but not very many. Uh, so that's good because you know things don't get moved to like crazy times on a Sunday or whatever. Um, yeah, and. I just what all I need now is for us to start handing out some whoopings. You know, I, I just I just really fancy a goal flood. I, I, that's what I'm after now. I want somebody to come along and just just take a paste in. That's that's that, and then I'll feel really good. And then I'll feel like you know we're this big fish in a small pond, and we're sort of we're sort of throwing our weight around because at the moment we're kind of we, oh, yeah we've we've done well at home, uh, but we've kind of been scrapping away past teams. I just want us to batter somebody and and that will make me feel really good about life but yeah I, you know maybe it's a bloodlust i don't know what it is but that's what i that's what i want but yeah overall it's uh, it's been good um you know we're, we're up towards the top of the table and uh and because it's derby county things are never you know you think things are kind of placidly rumbling along and then obviously everything gets chucked up in the air again so uh yeah, it's never dull, is it? Smashing someone feels good, whatever the circumstances, I'd say. But <laughs> I, I, I take your point. It would be, given we've been mainly edging past teams at home so far this season, it would be uh, a monkey off our back to, to really uh, give someone a hiding. I totally see where you're coming from. But uh, Kutch, a few 
five word thoughts that we've had from our uh, from our listeners on socials and uh, on our Discord channel on Patreon off the back of, uh, of the news this week of Derby appointing a new boss. Uh, Daniel Warwick, one of our patrons, he tweeted, harsh, understandable, intrigued, never dull. Uh, Jack on Twitter, he uh, he came in with the experience we really need. Uh, Chad Baker, he said, Warniola will take us up. I- I'm not having really Warniola <laughs> as, a, as a nickname, I don't think, but I appreciate the sentiment. Give it time. Give it time. Uh, yeah, we'll see how he, how he starts. Callum said, uh, Rosinia unlucky but right decision. Nick B messaged, I trust in David Klaus. Uh, DJB said on Twitter, too soon show some loyalty and uh, last one for now was from james hudson on our facebook page who said statement of intent by david i mean i'm just quite surprised really coach this is quite a, a novel feeling us appointing a manager with paul warren's um track record and experience but also quite a low-key sort of appointment i mean this isn't really the sort of strategic low-key managerial um, appointment that we're really used to as Derby fans. Like if you think back to the last few that we've appointed, there was Rosinia as interim, who was just sort of default really after Rooney left. And then before him, there was Rooney. And we all know the motivations behind him being in the club. That was sort of Mel's last massive roll of the dice. And then before him, there was Koku, who uh, had good pedigree abroad and with youngsters in other countries, but had no experience in England. And that that showed eventually. And before him, Lampard, who was given his first ever managerial job. So with Paul Warren, Kutch, is is this our most sensible appointment since Gary Rowett, would you say? Yeah, I was going to say that actually. Gary Rowett was the last appointment of a kind of experienced, established, and even a kind of up-and-coming manager with with a track record obviously as you've pointed out there if you include Rossinia three out of the last four managerial appointments of Rooney and Lampard were complete novices in the role and Rooney and Rossinia you could almost argue were kind of accidental appointments as well in terms of stepping in when someone else had left so um, it is kind of a return to some kind of normality Uh, I will save over you know nothing's ever guaranteed Nigel Pearson was a fantastic appointment at the time and maybe he should have been given more time Probably should have been, but that didn't work out uh, particularly well either. And of course, you go back again. Paul Clement was another one of those appointments where we gambled on on a novice who, who was thought of highly. We've all heard that phrase used many times before for other managers, including Liam Rossini. So it, what surprised me was just how quick it all happened, which I think is is actually a positive in the sense that David Klaus obviously had been with his advisors and whoever was advising him, making plans in the background. And when they were ready to move, they moved pretty quickly and pretty decisively. Uh, the name Paul Warren only really emerged as a any kind of rumour about half an hour before it was almost officially confirmed through the kind of BBC Sport and, and Telegraph channels that we've kind of become used to. So I thought it was a very professional operation, whether you agree or disagree with the decision to get rid of Liam Rossini and Paul, appoint Paul Warren. I think you have to respect the fact that they've been decisive and they've done it without much fuss or without much drama. And I think that in itself bodes well. Yeah, well, Ollie, we'll come on to um, the, the pros and cons of Paul Warren. But I, I'd say, you know, as, as a, a very quick take, that I'm, I'm definitely warming to the idea. And uh, yeah, I think, we'll, as, as I said, we'll come on to that in due course. But while it is a new man in, it does mean that Liam Rossini has been demoted. But at the moment is staying at the club, which I can't 
really get my head around, if I'm honest. But first things first, look, you have to give Rossini credit for the job that he did do and the work and the work that he did do because he was a key right-hand man for Wayne Rooney and, and even did most of the coaching if if what Curtis Davis said was was true. He was vital in the rebuild. He completely reshaped Derby's squad from almost nothing as it was in the summer. And and his record from 12 competitive games this season was more than respectable. You know, seventh in the league with four wins out of five at home, progressing in both of the Cups, or until we play Liverpool at least. But on the flip side, you'd have to say that, as we mentioned at the top, we were never blowing anyone away at home. Like All single goal victories, mainly from late winners. And the less said about the waveform, the away form, sorry, the better, you know. So look, how harsh a decision is this on Liam Rossini, would you say? I think how harsh you perceive it as being really depends on your view on how urgent it is to get promoted. And clearly, Mr. Close has decided that he doesn't want to go for a kind of long-term rebuild in the way that we maybe thought he might. Um, he wants to get out of this division as soon as possible. You know, why would you appoint a promotion specialist if that wasn't the case? Um, he could have gone the other way. He could have said, OK, I'll, I'll bear with Liam Rossini making his early mistakes, which, to be fair, he's shown his inexperience at times this season. There's no getting away from that. And he could have said, well, we'll, grow, we'll bear with those growing pains. We'll allow him to bed in. We'll allow him to establish his philosophy and, of play and, and build gradually. And then if we don't go up this season, it's not the end of the world. We'll, we'll, we'll crack it next season. And then you review it, if not. Um, but he said, no, you know, it's not progressing quickly enough for me. And we're going to get somebody in who has been there, you know, m- multiple times and done it. So the analogue for me is, is when GSE got rid of Nigel Clough and brought in Stephen Claren, because at that point, um, we yeah. were reasonably high up the table. We were doing okay. You know, it wasn't a sort of sacking because you're 22nd in the division. You know, we were, we were doing fine, but they felt like somebody else could uh, light the blue touch paper, so to speak. And so that's clearly what they've decided now, um, is that, you know, we've got a very, very good squad. And frankly, we should be where we are, if not higher. I understand the decision in the context of they've clearly decided that they want to get up sooner rather than later. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's, I do respect Liam Senior a lot. I think he wanted to do um, he wanted to do something special. He wanted to play good football and he's got a bright future ahead of him. I have no doubt about that. I don't think he'll stay at Derby County now. I don't see any way that he possibly could. Um, obviously, Warren's going to bring his own people in. The senior's been in a position of, of such seniority. It's, you can't really have him hanging around in the background. Yeah, if a prime minister comes in, they don't have the previous prime minister in the uh, in the cabinet. If you forgive the political, um, you know, they go they sort of mooch back to the back benches, don't they? But in this, I just don't think he'll stay. I think he'll, put, you know, politely and 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 kind of gracefully bow out. I think as long as he was interim, it's actually quite hard to say if it was a harsh decision or not because he wasn't. He didn't have the job. He never had the job. The fact his his role on the website has already gone back to assistant assistant manager or something. Like he he was literally just an interim. I think we all kind of assumed that maybe it was his to lose. Maybe David Clowes never viewed it that way, and maybe it was communicated that way to him. You know that he was literally just an interim, and unless he had us in the top two, come this time of the season, you know maybe a couple of wins away from home would have secured him the job because that's that would have put us in the top two, right? So I think he would have had to maybe do an incredible job to have us really right up there, absolutely flying. 
to have convinced David Klaus that he was the right man to take a gamble on. Because as we said, he was a he is a novice as as the number one, like we've had many novices before. And I think probably when it comes down to it, the, the decision to to not continue with Liam Rossini is probably less a reflection of how Rossini is viewed or rated by David Klaus and others at the club, and and probably more about wanting that completely fresh start for one, that completely clean slate. You know, Rossini is not alone in being. You know, among that coaching staff who have been part of Wayne Rooney's coaching staff, part of Philip Koku's coaching staff. And, you know, it was a very kind of accidental and inexperienced coaching unit. And David Klaus has gone and replaced it with something which is not just experienced and most importantly, experienced with success at this level in League One, but also a relatively up and coming coaching unit themselves. We're not, it's not Neil Warnock and his mates. It's, it's a relatively up and coming coach who's had proven success with three promotions from League One. So, you know, Jake Buxton was in the early stages of his coaching career. J- Justin Walker was a, a relatively inexperienced coach at this level. And the goalkeeping coach was promoted from the academy. So I think David Klaus probably just wanted a complete clean start with established people that can can hit the ground running with what is a very good squad. On Rossini, the, la- the last word on him for now, it's, it's easy to forget that he was wanted by a team in the division above Derby in the summer. Like he was wanted by Blackpool, he reportedly interviewed for the job, but um, from what I read, he couldn't get certain guarantees about how he wanted the club to be set up. So they couldn't agree on on appointing him. So clubs are, are clearly aware of his coaching talent. And I would be, I know he's gone back to a role um, at Derby, but I would be staggered if he, if Rossini does stick around for this new chapter. Um, especially as Ollie said that Warren has brought in his own backroom team as well. And I think. Just that as well, combined with what will probably be a significant change in playing style. I just don't think that ties in with Rossinia staying at Derby for much longer, which is a massive shame, but it seems an inevitability to me, Kutch. Yeah, I, I can't see it at all. And I don't really think it's... I think that they've, they've, they're putting all their chips in the pool on basket. They've given them a long contract. They've brought in three of his coaching staff. Rightly so, which is absolutely the correct decision. If you're going to appoint someone... Uh, and and go and get them from a league above and sell the project to them. You've got to give them kind of all the tools they want. And he wants his own coaching staff. That's absolutely correct. So I don't see what role there is for Liam Rossini. I think the only reason we're still hearing he's still at the club and he's you know, he's back on the website as assistant manager, it's purely contractual. He's still contracted to the club. The club is probably reluctant to give him a payoff, considering that he will be a man, as you mentioned, Chris, that will be in demand pretty much sooner or later whether that's for a number one job in the championship or League One or an assistant manager job at uh, maybe a top-end championship or, or or coaching job in the Premier League or maybe even a role with the FA. Like we know he's highly thought of. Um, he's shown in his short coaching career that he can get a team to play good football, which is kind of in vogue at the moment, whatever you think of it personally. Um, and I just think that David Klaus probably looks at it and goes, I, I can just sit and wait here. He can be on the payroll until someone takes him off it and we can probably not stand in his way. And everyone kind of wins, no one loses, no one has to pay anything. So for me, it's a very clever, shrewd move from David Klaus right from the beginning in terms of putting him as interim coach. So he got us, you know, got us going when we needed it. We needed people in the in the club that understood the situation, that could move fast and adapt. And and Liam Rossini has done that to his credit. And now he found the right person to to go forward long term. And and Rossini can probably find a new role for himself at a different club or or, or at the FA or somewhere else. So on Paul Warren then. Uh, who wrote an open letter, actually, to uh, Rotherham's fans 
describing the move to Derby as the most difficult decision of his professional career. We know roughly what we're getting. We know he's a man who's achieved three promotions, who's come from the league above, um, who has experienced relegation as well. We know we're getting someone familiar with this level of football. But what else are we getting with Paul Warren? How much more do we really know about him? Well, thankfully, our very own Richard Kutcher has been doing some digging on his career. And in 30 seconds or less, and I'm going to time you, can you give us, Kutch, <laughs> everything we need... more than 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 to 60 seconds, <laughs> everything we need to know about Paul Warren. Go. So Paul Warren is not your typical football league manager. He's got a bit of the old school about him. But if you have heard him speak at length, he can be quite eccentric. He's emotional, but doesn't take himself too seriously. And he definitely leans into his unusual path into the dugout in his team talks and media interviews. Now 49, Warren was born in Norwich and began a non-league footballing career in the early 1990s before playing professionally for Wigan, Oldham, Yeovil and Rotherham, who he made 250 appearances for across two spells retiring in 2012. He actually scored, I'd forgot this, against Nigel Clough's Derby for the Millers in a 2-1 League Cup upset in August 2009. Uh, it's well documented that Warren had been a fitness coach at Rotherham from 2012 until he was talked into accepting the caretaker job by the chairman in 2016. But he had also originally planned to be a PE teacher, completing his PGCE at Nottingham University 20 years previously, just before signing his first professional contract with Wigan. Rotherham were relegated from the championship during his caretaker spell in charge, but the hierarchy worked hard to convince Warren he should give the, he should give the job go a go permanently. And six years on, he has three promotions to his champ, three promotions to the championship to his name, twice as runners-up and once as playoff winners, as well as two further relegations. He also led Rotherham to the EFL Trophy in 2021-22 season. He leads the New York Stadium with Rotherham currently sitting in eighth in the championship on 14 points from nine games and games in hand on those above him. His manager record reads at 112 wins, 65 draws, 116 losses, resulting in a 38.2 win ratio. In terms of tactics and style, Rotherham under Warren have often been labelled as a very direct team, usually playing 3-5-2 system, getting the ball quickly into the final third and looking to attack a pace with crosses into the box. That was beautiful, but if that was 30 seconds, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Dutchman. I'm Philip Koku if that was 30 seconds, Coach. That was, that was an epic. If that, was, that, was like the extended, that was like the extended 12-inch remix like, of the 30 seconds. But it was excellent. Thank you. Yeah, that, that probably was a shade over 30 seconds. But uh, yeah, now <laughs> I do feel like I do know everything I need to know about Paul Warren. But as you alluded to, Kutch, one of the biggest questions over the new boss is how he'll change Derby's playing style. Uh, because we've adopted or attempted, at least, playing out from the back most of the time for what feels like several seasons now. Um, the, and that's definitely the opposite of Rotherham's style under Warren. I mean, there was actually a really good graphic from uh, Derby County Analysis on Twitter, which I saw in the last couple of days, which compares the style of play of teams in League One and the Championship in the form of a um, in the form of a, a classic a classic graph, and it sort of showed that Rotherham this season had among the lowest number of passes per per sequence or passing move. Um, so their build up play can basically be described as, as direct, as you said there. Whereas Derby in League One have had the highest number of passes per sequence and the lowest speed, uh, which which basically adds up to our build-up play being slow 
and intricate. So we really are chalk and cheese between what we are and what Warns Rotherham have been this season. I mean, you'd like to think, Ollie, that we've got a, a squad of experienced pros who should be able to adapt, but he is a new manager with new ideas. So when it comes to the new boss, what is uh, the Warn identity? I mean, well, like I say, I mean, we, we've, we've watched um, Derby play against Warren's team a few times and we usually lost to them, actually. Um, and he seemed to have the kind of measure of us. But we know, yeah, we know from, from watching that he played a very direct style. He didn't try and play ball. We did. Um, but it was effective. You know, it, it's, it's got them. I mean, even in League One, when they went up, Last season, they had one of the lowest pass completion percentages in League One. So they were they weren't even you know decent ball players at that level. But but the thing is, it's it's a completely different squad now. When you come into a new job, obviously one of the things that you have to take on is the fact that this is not your squad. These are not your players. These are players that you're going to have to mould. Um, and presumably he'll want to bring in some different ones as soon as possible um, to do things that he wants to do. Like Coach was saying earlier, he's he's tended to play with a back three. And wing backs, but we've got Tom Barkazen and, and Nathaniel Mendes Lang who are kind of out out and out wingers, so they don't fit into that system. And I'm not, you know, you could play them as wing backs, but that would be very, very attacking indeed. So, yeah, so he's he's got a challenge there. He's he's got kind of Harrahan, he's got Max Bird, you know, he's not got players who want to, you know, stand there and have the ball sort of chipped over their heads, you know, and they're not they're not players who are going to go and fight for loose balls because obviously, I mean, people moan. The heads off about the short goal kicks, you know, and if Warren bins them, I'm sure a lot of people will cheer about that. But if you if you kick it long, then it's a fighting ball, isn't it? You know, you've got to have players then who can rat around and win second balls, win tackles, win duels in the air or on the ground. And that's not how we're set up, really. Um, you know, you've got James Collins up there, all right. But, you know, like I say, Harrison and Bird want the ball to feet. So he's going to have to find a way of, find, of making someone else's squad play for him, I think he, I mean, from what I understand, Richie Barker is a system, is the guy who does most of the coaching, a bit like what we've seen he was with Rooney, really. So, you know, Warren will be the figurehead, but then Barker does a lot of the work on the on the training ground. They're going to have to find a way of adapting to these players or getting these players to adapt to them. But it, yeah, I mean, ultimately, he's not a football purist like Rossini was at all. You know, he's, he's pragmatic. Um and that's that's worked for him in the sense of, you know, managing a club with, let's be honest, lower expectations, um, and they were kind of yo-yoing between League One and the Championship. So at the moment, Derby down League One, but the expectation is much higher around this club, and you know, it's a bigger club, bigger aspirations in the long term. And I don't think we want to see uh, what some people would call hoofball. We you know we want we've all unless we're very very young, we've all seen some stunning players over the years at Derby and. You know, we do expect Derby expects, doesn't it? So, like I say, I think I think some fans will probably be quite happy if he makes it a bit more direct and a bit quicker. I don't think there'll be much lamentation if the short goal kicks go, but he is going to have to try and mix it up and not and not just play a kind of very reactive game like he did at Rotherham. I think good coaches have to be adaptable. I think I think we'll probably see some kind of middle ground. I think, as Ollie said, obviously when he was at Rotherham, he had more limited budget, more limited players, I imagine, uh, than the squad that Derby have compiled. The squad is set up more for kind of a possession-based football ball on the ground. But I don't I don't think we're as far away as Ollie maybe thinks from having the kind of players available that could 
playing more to the style that uh, Paul Warren may want us to play to him. And we're not, we don't know yet actually what he's going to play until we, until we, uh, we come out uh, against Cambridge on the podcast that was never released earlier this week, Chris, we spent about 20 minutes debating the midfield balance and whether Max Bird and Connor Harrahan can play together. And I do think I would be surprised if they both started in, in kind of deep line midfield roles together uh, against Cambridge. I certainly think he would be an advocate of having Jason Knight back in the middle because Jason Knight is probably the f- only central midfielder we have that can do that job. Maybe Corey Smith as well that can do that job in fighting and winning second balls and getting on them. I mean, Jason Knight did win his fair share of second balls against Wickham and, and he's he's a great resource and energetic resource to have in midfield. So I think maybe we you probably only play one of Bird or Harahan in that kind of central midfield area. You could play Harahan further forward, so we'll see what, how he makes use of the resources. But the wing-back one is the most interesting. If he does want to play a kind of 3-5-2 or 5-3-2, he has the centre-backs to do it in terms of Cashin, Chester, Curtis Davis, Stearman. I think they're all centre-backs that he'll really like to like to manage and make use of. But you don't have... I mean, Craig Forsyth could do a job at left wing-back. I'm sure Roberts could do a job at left wing-back. But in terms of Nathaniel Mendes-Lang, do you want him to be right wing-back and having to do that much tracking back? Probably not. Um, but I'd like to... See, you know, I don't think... You have to find a role for Nathaniel Mendes-Lang because he's probably been our most potent weapon this season. Um, James Collins, I think, would probably benefit from maybe a more direct style of play, getting the ball in the box a lot more. Uh, I think McGoldrick can fit into that system perfectly fine. He he works hard off the ball, which is what Warren's going to demand. So I think there's I think there's quite a few players that will fit into that system. Uh, I think he's going to have to tweak it and adapt. But he's got you know he's got very very good group of players, very very good of technically gifted players. Um, I think he'll be licking his lips looking at that squad. Looking at the actual recruitment of. One, I was quite pleasantly surprised, really, I, I suppose, that we acted this early and this decisively because we've we've got someone who is clearly on our radar for a long time that you, you can only infer that from the from how fast it happened from a senior going to one coming in. And it's clearly part of a long term plan. And it can't have been easy to get one either, if you think about it, because he's 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 gotten them up for the third time. They've had a great start to the season. So his stock, personally, has probably never been higher than it is now at Rotherham. And I was even more surprised that he fancied leaving Rotherham to come to us, given his clear feelings on Derby in the past. Uh, So let's remind ourselves what Paul Warren said in his post-match at the end of the season before last, when Derby survived on the last day at Rotherham's expense. Aware were you of events elsewhere? I know you said you were going to try and avoid it. Well, I knew at half time that Wednesday were winning. I didn't tell the lads that. I didn't think they needed any more motivation to win a game. Um, and then I knew they were drawing, and then I think I got told they were winning 3 2. Um, I don't know if that's still the case. Is it over? They're down as well. Wednesday? They drew. Yeah. Derby have stayed up. Okay. Um, oh, that's disappointing. Which I know makes it even tougher for yourselves. Yeah, I know. Got a lot of things that I don't want to say about that, but yeah. So the point I wanted to make by playing that is that he's a guy. He's a manager who wears his heart on his sleeve, isn't he? He's an emotional man. It seems to me. I mean, I've read interviews about Warren where he has talked about getting players to to bring in a picture of someone from their family or friends that motivates them, and that like the Rotherham advertiser did a a piece about him where they talked about how he like sat in his car next to the village pond for an hour after leaving Rotherham just to gather yeah. his thoughts. Talking um, to the Ducks. He clearly 
wears his heart on his sleeve and, and tells things as, as they are. And Ollie, if he watches Team Talks, he is, it seems to me, a superb motivator, isn't he? He is, um, absolutely. And I think, to be fair, I think one point is worth making very strongly is that he seems to have been absolutely loved rather than kind of revered almost and from what I can gather people are pretty crushed uh, or very at least very disappointed that he's leaving and, and feel genuinely sad about it there's been a real outpouring of emotion um, you know I even saw a, one of the local from the Rotherham advertiser where a guy from there said that he that Ward had made him want to be a better version of himself, which sort of made me feel a bit sick in my mouth, but also said a lot about <laughs> it said a lot about him as a as a guy. If he's if he's able to inspire, you know, it's not his job to, you know, well, it is his job to inspire the president stem, but you know, he's not supposed to be man managing the the journalists. And yet, you know, this this guy seemed to want him to be his gaffer as well. So he obviously has that impact. He's obviously had that impact at Rotherham. Now the difference though is in the scale, because scrutiny wise you know, it's not the same at Rotherham, let's be honest. It's it's the expectations here is nothing that he's experienced before. You know, and he'll know he'll know, but he, he, he can't be used to it. But like you say, he is an emotional guy from all we can gather and he's a guy who was like you say, wears his heart on his sleeve and the intensity is gonna be up several notches um here at Derby County. It it just is because we're an absolute Oh, well, how do you describe this club? I've been trying to do it for years. I can't manage it. So, yeah, it's going to be different for him. Um, but I think it's fair to say he was loved there, and that speaks volumes about him as a person. Um, now it's a case of whether he can translate that to Derby. The other change in dynamic um, going on from what Ollie said as well, I was, re- I was reading that there was an EFL piece done with Paul Bourne in 2021. It was January last year, I think. I think it was his five-year anniversary of, of taking charge at, at Rotherham. And, you know, he really talked in, in quite great detail and, and showed that sensitive, emotional side of himself that Ollie mentioned. Uh, but, you know, he, the chairman had to really, really talk him into it. He did not want the job. He didn't want it per- He didn't want it temporarily. And he didn't want it permanently either. And he had to really be talked into it. And the chairman kind of convinced him that he could do it. And, and, and kind of chairman believed in him more than um, Paul Warren believed in himself. And he was very open about that. And so he's obviously come from an environment which has been extremely supportive from the very, very beginning. And obviously he has a long connection there, long, long connection there, as I said, 250 appearances for them as a player. So it really feels like his club. And he kind of was riding the crest of a wave, I think, throughout the tenure, even with the relegations, they stuck by him and he went again and he kept repaying the faith and he finally was making inroads in the championship. So it's going to be a really different dynamic because he's probably going to feel like he's going to have to prove himself all over again. But by the sounds of it, he now does absolutely have the confidence in himself and in his coaching staff to to pull the job off. And I look forward to hearing from him next week. More in just a second on Steve Bloomer's washing. But uh, don't forget, if you're listening on an Apple device, uh, we'd love it if you gave us a cheeky little five star rating or a four star. We'll take a four star, probably not a three star, prefer a four <laughs> or a five. Um, but give us a review if you enjoy our content. Uh, and don't forget, you can also get more bonus pods and uh, welcome gifts and benefits by signing up as a Steve Bloomer's Washing patron on our Patreon website, which is patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomer's Washing. Good turn. Carsley breaks clear. Carsley cuts inside. We'll have a shot and we'll score. Four goals now for Derby in a frenetic ending. No wonder they can't believe it on the bench. Nine goals in two matches now for Derby County. And another home win. 
Calling all golfers. On Friday the 14th of October, the Klaus family will be hosting a Rams in Kenya charity golf day at their golf course in Brailsford between Ashbourne and Derby. For Rams fans who love their golf, you can sign up for a day of friendly competition, which also includes food and drink along the way, a post-game presentation dinner, charity auction and evening entertainment. So to book your place for a team of four, or if you're a local business interested in sponsoring or donating an auction prize, please visit ramsinkenyagolfday.co.uk. That's ramsinkenyagolfday.co.uk. Uh, when I finished playing about two months after I finished, I wanted to coach. You know, I hoped that Derby was a good place for me to start. I did the under-14s, I did the under-18s, so I was here for about 18 months. And when I left then, that was probably more poignant that I remember having a conversation with Terry Westby, the academy director at the time. And he said, why are you leaving? I think you'll be manager here. And I felt deep down that at some point I might get the opportunity or I hoped I'd get the opportunity. And, uh, and here we are. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis. And you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Goodness me, Coach. How, how, how much digging do you have to do on YouTube to <laughs> dig out an obscure Gary Rowett quote? Good grief. Where'd you get that from? I think I watched three or four different Gary Rowett interviews, a couple of Forrest ones, one or two introduction ones, and I watched a Paul Clement one, which will come, I guess, at some point in the next few weeks. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, I just thought that was very David Brent of Gary Rowett at the end. He's like, you know, someday I think I will come back. And here I am. <laughs> Amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'm having that. I think that's even slightly better than a Paul Jewell one that I pulled out of the fire a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> look, a word on Wickham uh, before we get back to Derby's new era. Uh, as I said, we did uh, we did the podcast on a weekend, actually, but for reasons I won't bore everyone with, um, it didn't work. It just didn't record. So <laughs> um, we've had to... Yes, less said about that, the better. Here we are again. Um, but yeah, a 2-1 win, a third late 2-1 home win in the league this season and as I said in our on the ghost pod <laughs> it was it just felt at a time like such an important three points that whenever Wickham I mean even at this early stage in the season where I know nothing is won in September but I just wonder how three defeats in a row could have really set us back from the chasing pack and I think maybe affected us psychologically as well and one made our team wonder if we are cut out for a promotion push Maybe that's premature, I don't know. But fundamentally, Ollie, it's always nice to stick one over on Rob Kovig, isn't it? Well, more important, yeah, I was about to say, more importantly than all of the important stuff that you just said, <laughs> it was a very, very it's important... The, it's the, it's stick, the petty stuff. It's a very important to stick one on Rob Kovig, Cowhig, whatever. Um, he was just, you know, when you, 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 you see the old films about um, like medieval battles, and you see these, you have like the scene where there's a guy, like the soldier dying on the battlefield, he's been stabbed. And then like some sort of like peasant comes along and starts scratting through their pockets. <laughs> um, this to, is a very elaborate metaphor. To, to get out any coins or like they start taking the rings off their dying fingers. That's basically what Rob Cowig is. He's, he's a bottom feeder. He's a leech. He's kind of something on the bottom of your shoe. He's he's a he's he's a lawyer. I mean, what more can you say about him than that? I, I did notice that you you did row back slightly on your description of the whole of Wickham as as being meaningless. Can we get a verbal uh, clarification on that one? Yeah, as well, well, no. I mean, I basically I, it was a very much I did an off the cuff tweet along the lines of what you just heard. Um, basically, 
about Mr. Kerhig. Um, but what I where I did miss that, it was very much off the cuff. I called Wickham a, a meaningless club, and, and with with reflection, that was unfair. I don't think any club should be referred to as meaningless because they're not. You know, all clubs are monumentally important for their community. You know, whether you like them or not, you know, don't like them. You know, don't like them. Don't like their supporters trust because they kind of just sort of hid behind Cowhead's skirts uh, through the whole thing. Wouldn't even say a word. In you know, to you know, for for us fans who were going through such an awful situation. Um. Yeah, so it's not fair to say they're meaningless. That was a, you know, that was a, a heat of the moment kind of comment. They're not meaningless. They, you know, they are. They are. They, or everything else I said in the, in the tweet it stands. Um, but no, they're not meaningless. No club is meaningless. Um, and I apologise for that specific word. I don't apologise for the rest of it. Just further in defence of Wickham as well, it's not meaningless because I did win several judo belts in Wickham, um, <laughs> inclu- including including thirty points towards my my black belt, my first dam, which I didn't complete in the end because I got drunk at university instead. But uh, <laughs> several several big judo wins in Wickham did take place in my family in my life. Wow, Kutcher doing judo—that's like a, that's a Photoshop waiting to happen, isn't it? I feel <laughs> <laughs> I've got plenty of real photos of it. <laughs> <laughs> So that's. I feel we've we're gone off a bit. I'm a bit of a tangent there, but um, the game, the two-one win that Derby had yes. over Wickham, another peach, Ollie from the uh, Conor Harrahan collection. Yeah. We talked about this uh, previously in the week about whether it is the best goal we've scored this season, or as is my uh, as is my case, was the uh, the tricky little manoeuvre performed by. Mendes Lang against Plymouth, a a more pleasing goal to watch. What's your take on that? Yeah, one? well, I mean, very just very very quickly. I mean, when you talk about Harahan, I mean, obviously, Kutch was saying earlier about possibility of only playing one of him or Bird. Well, it's not going to be Bird, is it? I mean, you know, Harahan's got the the magic in his boots to do something like that. I know Matt can as well, but I think there's no doubt that Harahan's a more accomplished player, and certainly in an attacking midfield sense. Um, it's a beautiful goal, and the thing is, it meant something. It, it was an important goal. Um, obviously, with with the Mendes goal, loved it, absolutely loved that. It was incredible, but unfortunately, it didn't actually mean anything in the end because we we collapsed. So um, it helps if it's a goal that actually meant something. So I would say the Harrahan goal because it's a really important goal. That you know, up there with you know the one he scored against Oxford as well. You know, it was a detention of the game. You know, was it eighty fifth minute or something like that? The winning goal. So yeah, he's coming up with those sort of clutch moments, and he's 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 class. So yeah, I think long may um, clubs like the Wickham phenomenon fail to close him down on the edge of the box for no apparent reason. I, my my case for this is is I agree with Chris on Mendes Lang only because I think we'll see more goals like Harahan's goal than we will see goals like Mendes Lang's goal in this division. I thought the Mendes Lang goal was just such a terrific demonstration of technical ability and strength and then composure to finish as well. And and the ball into him from Max Burr was actually a nice rare example of just how good Max Burr can be when he is playing the ball forward. Um, and he can pick up passes and it was a perfect pass to, start to find him in a relatively crowded uh, penalty box. Connor Harrahan goal's great. I think we're going to see him score two or three or more goals like that this season. Whereas I think the Mendes, the Mendes Lang goal actually will, will stand out amongst many others uh, by the end of the season. So you're basically giving it to Mendes Lang as out of sympathy because yeah, because ha- Harrahan will score a better one at some point this season. Uh, no, not, not quite so much like that. I just think a lot of people can hit it in the top corner. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, it was a, a saucy little step over. I did really, really enjoy that goal. Before we get onto that dreaded phrase, away form, 
um, to wrap up the pod with uh, just a few more five word thoughts. Uh, James Windle, one of our great patrons on Instagram, um, summing up Paul Warren, he said, in the effing mixer, lads. Enjoy that one. Desmond Powdrill on Facebook, he said, a proven manager at last. Uh, and Julian Broughton on Facebook, he said, goodbye to boring passing football, which is a, an interesting take. Um, I mean, the away form, Kutch, has, has got to be the main priority for one to address. Um, was it four games, five away games now? No goals, no wins, about 700 attempts, um, two disallowed, but still no actual goals. I mean, we talked about the Lincoln game uh, briefly in, in the previous pod, uh, or the one that didn't get recorded. And my take on that was that after the dust settled, I didn't think it was a 2-0 game for, for Lincoln because, look, they scored a penalty, bit of a naive challenge from Jason Knight for the penalty. But between their first goal and second goal, Derby have two goals disallowed, not one, two goals disallowed, at least one of which looked marginally offside to me, looked tight. Um, and Tom Barghausen missed his uh, his sort of obligatory sitter that he seems to do every two or three games. Um, and then they get the second goal, which they, they hit us with a sucker punch, with a, a, a pretty spawny goal that bobbles in via a deflection. Um, so look, on the face of it, on chances created, I felt it was a harsh result, but I also understand the frustration that we like didn't match Lincoln physically and and they just seemed to want it more and we didn't concentrate at times and didn't do the job for the 90 minutes, which is what you will get punished for at this level. So how do we go about fixing it? I, I know nobody really knows the answer. Do we sort of try and go with what Rossinia was doing away from home or do you see one really changing tack away from home for what will be his first game as Derby boss away at Cambridge. I think it the thing is is that almost every away result was a harsh result in isolation. But when when you have a pattern, a consistent pattern of those, it doesn't doesn't seem harsh anymore, does it? I mean, you know, it was harsh on us not to get results at Fleetwood and Shrewsbury. I think we all agree we should have probably been outside at, at Charlton by half time as well on the first away game of the season. Paul Ward is definitely going to change things. At least he'll he'll definitely change things away from home. I'm sure he'll change things at home as well. Um, look, we're going to get the ball quicker. We're going to get the ball forward quicker, as I said before, and we're going to try and make use. I think of the absolute abundance of talent we have in that in that final third. Whether it's Mendes Lang, Barkhausen, Dobbin, Collins, McGoldrick, Harahan, like he has got so many options to try and work out what to do with. I imagine he'll probably start with four of them and sub four of them in the second half and bring the other four on or something because I just don't know how you get the most out of all of them. You can't get the most out of all of them. You're going to have to pick and choose. Uh, but I do think we won't be playing short goal kicks into the six-yard box back to the goalkeeper and trying to invite the pressure onto us but then trying to break the play. It's going to be much more direct. I don't think we're necessarily going to see it punted up from every goal kick. I think it will be a bit more varied than that and I'm sure Rotherham are a little bit more varied than that or have been more varied than that. Um He's got the players to play a bit more varied. He'd be mad not to mix it up. I, I don't think it's going to be pure hoofball, but I think we are going to see a much more pragmatic style of play because, you know, man for man, we should be better than every team in this division. So 5-3-2 or 3-5-2, Ollie, whichever way you look at it. Didzy and Collins up top. You having a bit of that? You enjoying that? Well, well, when you say that, but like Chris just said, there's a bunch of other options. And if you're playing 3-5-2... Um, 
then where and where you know how do you fit? You can't fit that abundance of talent in. You kind of you've got to play two and then a midfield three, wing backs three, centre backs. So you know it, it isn't configured for that. You know he's got. You're more looking at a four-two-three-one, maybe um, as probably the optimum mm. situation, um, because then you can you can fit a lot more of those players in, and you can play McGoldrick in the hole, and and he'll just. I I really like David McGoldrick. I want to say that I think he looks mustard, to be honest. Um, just just a bit of a Rolls Royce, and I like that. Um, and I I just think I think he is to me is the player I want to see us get the most out of. Um, so whatever system, but you know, who knows what Warren will decide to do. But I, yeah, I, I think in terms of the away form, which was the question, I honestly believe that we'll continue to be really strong at home. So all we need to do is is not be dismal <laughs> away from home, and and as long as we're sort of all right away, then the home form should carry us a long way, really. So I don't think there's any need to panic. I think like like we said there, in all of the away, well, in the majority of the away games, we probably deserve to win, but. For whatever reason, we, we failed to score. We haven't scored away from home yet. Um, the Lincoln one was a real shock just because nobody expected it. I think we all expected to win, let's be honest. We all expected to go there and beat them. To do what we did was not... Nobody nobody saw that coming, I don't think, um, which was which made it a worse shock. I think we'll be... Eventually, we'll be all right. We'll we'll pick up, we'll get the monkey off the bat. We'll start picking up some away points. You know, we've got too good a, a squad not to do that. Um, Warren might need to tweak things just to make us a bit more solid possibly and maybe a little bit less fussy because obviously when you're away teams are more you know geared to to come on to you to attack you uh, to press you um, they're not as likely to sit back so maybe in the times when you have to you know do what the old pros always talk about and turn them and get it in the channels get it in the corners make them run towards their own goal all that kind of old-fashioned stuff that yeah it isn't on vogue but it, it's just kind of tried and tested and I'm sure we'll do a little bit of that um, but yeah, we'll, we'll start winning away from home sooner rather than later. We just will. Um, and when we do, then we'll start to cement ourselves, hopefully, in the top six. A final question for you both. A very simple yes or no. Coach, you first. Cambridge away. Will we score a goal? Yes, and we'll win. <laughs> Love that optimism. Ollie, same question. We're gonna, of course we're going to score. Um, I mean, Cambridge have actually been really good at home. I just checked on the, uh, on the, old, uh, on the old tables there. And they've actually had a good, as good a record at home as we have which is unfortunate, but um, I can't believe we don't have better players. So, yeah, we'll score a goal and um, all being well, we'll, uh, we'll get the monkey off the back. New manager Paul Warren bounce. Here we come. Well, uh, especially as Coach and I are actually going remarkably. We've actually got a landed a golden ticket for the, uh, for the trip up there. So we'll be back on another podcast in a couple of weeks. Uh, in the meantime, you can give us a follow on social at Steve Bloomerpod or uh, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Steve Bloomers Washing. But uh, Ollie Wright, thanks for coming along. Great to have you on again this season. Oh, thanks, gents. It's always an absolute pleasure. So yeah, I hope to, uh, hope to speak to you again soon. Maybe when my next book project's finished, I could come on and give it a shameless plug. Kutch, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming along. Yes, uh, very good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> so you go back to your judo. Uh, we'll go back to the football <laughs> and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for tuning in.